This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome to All Possibilities. I'm your host, Julie Chan, and we are recording at the Mouth Media Network studio at Voyager HQ. Today, I am here with Jim Posner, who is the founder of The Mindful Advantage. So you know that typically I do intuitive readings on this show, or I share some of my knowledge in my journey from going from economic development to psychic purpose coaching. And today, what we're going to do is learn from Jim. As a mindfulness instructor, Jim has a lot to offer to me and to the audience about what that is and how this can impact your life. So I first met Jim at a networking event, and I was intrigued by his story that he had been a Wall Street executive who is now a mindfulness instructor. Um, So my journey had been such that I had always compartmentalized sort of the rational professional world and everything that I consider inner empowerment, like mindfulness, like meditation, like spirituality. And to see that he had combined the two and was very open about promoting his story and sharing his story, I I wanted to learn more about him. So that is how Jim came to be in this room. And what we'll do is learn from him to kind of join me on this journey of understanding what mindfulness is, how that has played a role in his life, and how you can also benefit from understanding how you can uh, renew your thoughts. So Jim, why don't you share a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your journey? Well, thanks for having me, Julie. Great question. And something, quite frankly, everybody always asks me. They see me and they say, you're the last person I would expect to be a mindfulness meditation instructor. But here I am. This is what I do. And I really enjoy doing it. Uh, So my journey into mindfulness started in 2003. My wife was pregnant with our first child and I got laid off from my job on Wall Street. It just kind of crushed me. I became an anxiety-riddled mess, quite frankly. I would lay in bed at night and just worry about the future. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to get a new job? How am I going to take care of my new family? And I was ruminating constantly about the past. Why did I get laid off? Why not that other guy? 
my boss was such a jerk. And I was just completely unable to be present. I was always worried about the future and ruminating about the past, you know. So with mindfulness, we always hear this ubiquitous term being present. And, and that's a good illustration of somebody that's not capable of being present. So what did I do? Well, I took the typical, I'd say, Western means of, of dealing with my situation. I started to drink heavily. It was the only way that I could kind of shut my mind off. You know, my mind was just constantly worrying about the future and ruminating about the past. Uh, obviously, the drinking was not a good solution, and it obviously made things a lot worse. I then did what no Western man actually likes to admit that they do, and that is I went and saw a psychologist who put me in touch with a psychiatrist who then put me on antidepressant medications. Um, for me, it didn't really resonate. I felt like it was just treating the symptoms and not getting to the core issues of what was going on at the time. Uh, I am certainly aware that it's a perfectly valid solution for many people. For me, it just didn't seem like it was working out. It just seemed like a Band-Aid on a big gaping open wound, you know, uh, that so, you know, it, it softened some of, some of the feelings I was having a little bit, but really wasn't getting to the bottom of things for me. Uh, then I started to have panic attacks. So one time I had such a severe panic attack that I actually went to the emergency room. The only thing that was good about my trip to the emergency room was that the doctor said to me, you know what, 50% of the people that I see here every day are here because of an anxiety attack. So at least I felt like, you know what, I'm not alone. And it made me feel a little bit better. But, you know, I still was really, really wrestling with this extreme event driven anxiety. Uh, and I am sure I looked like a mess. I, I wasn't sleeping well, I, you know, was drinking and it, it just wasn't good. So thankfully, somebody said to me, you should try something called mindfulness based stress reduction meditation. So it's MBSR for short. And uh, I had no idea what meditation was when this person said the term meditation to me. I had this image of some, you know, weird looking guy sitting on a, on a mountain chanting with incense and robes. And, you know, that's what I thought meditation was. But I was just at such wit's end that I was willing to try anything. So... I went into this eight-week MBSR class and, uh, you know, I went in very open-minded and decided that I was going to do whatever the teacher told me. So I learned how to practice mindfulness meditation and it transformed me. And within a few months, I stopped seeing the psychiatrist and started to, you know, was weaned off of the antidepressants and had my drinking under control and I was feeling a lot just a lot better. Um, so it, again, it really, really resonated with me. So the second part of that is that I really was then kind of a closet meditator for a long time. Cause in my mind, it still had this kind of strange, you know, hippy dippy connotation. And I was worried about what my friends would think of me or coworkers at that time. And, uh, so I meditated, but didn't tell anybody about it. But then slowly I started to tell people after 
probably got four or five years of, of being a meditator. And lo and behold, every single person I told, like, I'd be with a friend watching a football game and, hey, you know, Steve, a few years ago when I was got laid off and, my, and Vanessa was pregnant, I was having a tough time and I learned how to meditate and it really helped me. And, you know, lo and behold, every single person that I had this conversation with was uh, extremely intrigued. And a lot of people actually said, you know what, two years ago, I went to the hospital, I had a panic attack, or there's massive reorganization going on at work right now. And I'm really anxious about my future there. So just a light bulb started to go off that, you know what, this is something that has transformed my life. I really like doing it. And people really need this. So at that point in my life, I decided that this is what I wanted to do. So I started to take steps to, uh, to learn how to teach mindfulness meditation. So that's my story into mindfulness meditation. Great. I'm always impressed with, with people who are able to kind of defy the norm and be brave enough or have the courage to share what's going on. And that's something that I think the world needs more of. If we're, if, if we're truly authentic in our being that can create ripple effects, not just in our workplace, but also at home. So, so thank you for that. You're very welcome. Yeah. For our listeners who are maybe not as familiar with mindfulness meditation, what exactly is it? And what is the science behind it? Like what happens when you meditate? Great questions. So mindfulness is really just another term, another word for awareness. And with, with mindfulness meditation, what we're doing is we'll, we're cultivating this higher level of awareness, awareness of our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our surroundings, our breath, sensations in our body. And when you cultivate this higher level of awareness of all of those things, what you can do is you can take control over all of, all of those instead of having your thoughts, feelings, and emotions control you. So here, here's some of the science behind it. 90 to 95% of our thoughts are on the subconscious level. So, you know, my story of what I was going through is actually a really good illustration of mindfulness and how it works. So I was having just these this constant worry about the future. How am I going to get another job? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to take care of my family? Why me? Why did I get laid off? So those were the 90 to 95% of thoughts that were just continually taking over my subconscious. You know, of course I knew I was having the thoughts, but I just couldn't bring this higher level of awareness to them to, to move through them. And that's kind of what it's about. Um, so the, 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 the other part of that stat is that 80% of our thoughts are negative and recurring. So again, how am I getting another job? How am I getting another job? You know, why me? Um, so it's kind of this vicious circle of cascading negative, negative thoughts that, that we all have. And by bringing this higher level of awareness to these thoughts, we learn how to move through them. So I hope that makes sense. Now, 
some of the further science behind this. Mindfulness is proven. The, the, the science is actually caught up to the practice. You know, this is like a 3,000-year-old practice. And only recently has the science caught up where they have imaging, you know, fMRIs, and they can take brain scans and see what's actually happening in, in the brain and, and measure things. So there are parts of the brain there's, that actually change. There's actual neuroplasticity that occurs in the brain when people meditate. So they take scans of people before they learn to meditate and after they learn to meditate, and parts of the brain actually change. So the amygdala, the hippocampus, um, and in a relatively short period of time, four weeks, six weeks, uh, the, these changes are visible. Cortisol levels, which cortisol is the stress hormone, cortisol levels actually drop in a relatively short period of time in, in minutes, five, ten minutes uh, after people start to meditate. So there, there is actual uh, si a lot of science behind this. I like how you mentioned that the science is catching up to the practice, and I think that's the, probably the case for, for a lot of things that um, that may be considered new when really it has been thousands of years old and um, you know, time-tested and true. So um, there, there is that element of raising awareness and maybe showing people that perspective that this is, this is actually what's happening in your brain in order to make it easier or maybe decrease the barrier for people to actually sign up and be interested and invested. Exactly. That's created some, some more buy-in for people, I think, that were, were more skeptical uh, about meditating. And, and uh, you know, I think it did have a, a, a little bit of that connotation of being something that, you know, wasn't so mainstream and, and, and that, that type of thing. But I think because of the science that's really caught up to the practice, uh, there there is a lot more buy-in and there are a lot of professional athletes that meditate, creatives, um, finance professionals, professionals of, 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 of uh, you know, serious white collar professionals that are, are now turning to meditation to, to help them gain clarity and, and so, and lower stress, uh, increase focus, boost productivity, enhance interpersonal relationships, uh, bolster creativity. These are all proven benefits of mindfulness and um, really to ex give you a quick little explanation of why it works. If you think about what I was going through, I couldn't shut my mind off. So um, again, constantly worrying about the future, ruminating about the past. I was just completely unable to be present. So if you think about what, what is stress? Well, that's what it is. You know, you're, you're worried about the, the meeting tomorrow or the numbers for next quarter or the test if you're a kid or, or something that your boss said to you yesterday. And um, when you can kind of gain control of these thoughts and bring awareness to them and move through them, it's like taking the garbage out, really. Uh, all these, these negative recurring thoughts. And once you take the garbage out, what happens? Well, it opens up space in your mind to, to see things differently. And that's where, you know, creativity comes in. You, you come up with new ideas to tackle a problem. Um, maybe new ideas for the book you're writing, what, whatever, whatever the case may be. And, you know, Mark Twain, I think uh, I love this quote. Most of the worst things in my life have never actually happened to me. Well, that's kind of a great illustration of mindfulness. You know, 
um, we can just take that garbage out and 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 gain a, a lot of clarity and a lot of really good things happen and um, and th that's what's going on with mindfulness and that that's why it works. So you started the Mindful Advantage, and who do you work with? Do you work with companies? Um, is it have you found that it has been easy to kind of pitch to them? I, you know, your services and maybe the outcomes from a business point of view. Um, and how has that changed over time? Well, I think like, like any new business and as, as an entrepreneur, it did take me a little while to kind of get my, my message. So it was clear and, and people could understand exactly what the benefits and, and how mindfulness works. So it's it's been a process, no doubt. Uh, and so, who are who are my clients? Well, you know what, I work with a lot of indiv individuals. I work with schools. I do a lot of professional development days at schools, where the where uh, those days when the students don't don't go to class, and the and the teachers and the administration are there. So I run workshops for the faculty and administration. I um, just finished working with a financial firm up in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, I've worked with athletic teams, NCAA athletic teams. So th these are really all great clients for me. You know, mindfulness really can help amazing cross section of, 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 uh, of different people and companies. And, um, you know, what I, what I try to say is that the, the benefits of mindfulness actually flow to the personal and corporate bottom line. So, you know, when, when people go through a workshop that I give, I guarantee that they'll feel a shift, a shift in their well-being, and, um, and, and there's also a ripple effect. So, you know, other people that maybe don't go through the workshop will, will, will notice a difference in the people that have gone through, and, and they'll feel less stressed, and, and, and that'll, that'll ripple throughout the company or the team or the school or whatever the case may be. I've also come up with uh, a method for students to relieve stress for test taking. So I've come up with a, a plan that was enacted in the classrooms by the teachers. It's a very simple three-step process that that they go through uh, and have, have taught to the students. And I, I got a, a lot of really good uh, feedback from teachers and administration uh, about that. I'm, I'm really interested in the work that you do in schools because we, or at least in my case, I always think about adults having a lot of stress, you know, money and all of these things, but it's, you know, students, I don't know what age group you work with, but there is a lot of stress nowadays in terms of bullying, in terms of, you know, preparing for, for college. Um, and, you know, for, for, for example, for me, like I grew up in a low income family and, and there's, there's a whole nother level of stress that comes with um, kind of social um, or socioeconomic fitting in. <laughs> and so can you talk a little bit more about your work there? Is it with students? Is it with teachers? And what are the types of um, results that you're seeing? I don't actually work directly with students. I, act, I have done some training with mindful schools. Uh, and I could work with students, but that's not w what I do right now. So I, again, I work with the teachers and the faculty and I've taught them mindfulness techniques that they can use 
during their day to help them be more present and centered for when they're teaching. One, one of the other benefits of mindfulness is, is regulating um, emotional reactivity. So sometimes we get triggered and maybe we, we react in a, in a, in a, with a response that we regret. So all of these benefits of mindfulness meditation and mindfulness practice really translate, you know, they translate into the classroom. They translate into the corporate world, into the, into sports world as well. So yeah, I, I haven't really worked directly with the students. Again, I did come up with a test taking protocol that, that teachers have, have gone through in the classroom to help students overcome some test taking anxiety. Uh, and I, again, I've gotten a lot of really positive response from the teachers with that protocol. Let's take a break. And when we come back, Jim and I will talk about something that we both have in common, which is changing careers and how that has impacted us. We'll be right back. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. And I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Welcome back. I'm here with Jim Posner, who is the founder of The Mindful Advantage. And we had just talked about his journey um, and what mindfulness is. I had a very difficult time in transitioning from my career in urban planning and economic development to what I'm doing now, which is really being open and out of the closet with my intuitive gifts and talking with the world and or talking with people about things that maybe don't come up typically in normal cocktail conversation like purpose like what is your purpose what what are the spiritual or intuitive experiences that you're having that you may not be able to explain and 
these are all the types of conversations that I love just diving straight into, but it may take a little while to, you know, to get there. Um, it's not something that you typically start off with at a, let's say a networking event. Right. So I think for me, it was this, this view that the organizations I worked with or the companies that I worked with had a standard of, of, you know, who this profile of the, you know, the ideal employee is, um, someone who's really, someone who's really ambitious, someone who's out to, you know, make either revenue for the company or, you know, get a promotion and, and climb the ladder. And after a while, I just stopped subscribing to it. And I, I thought that I was the one who was wrong because no one else seemed to be doing that as well. So I'd like to have a discussion about what it's like to have that career transition. And, and maybe we can start off with what were the fears that you had to face in order to be who you are today? Yeah, that's a really, really interesting question. And I would agree with you from, for me, the corporate world, I, I was never really very good at playing the corporate game. Uh, I, I felt like uh, I just wasn't really good at the office politics. And it was frustrating for me. I felt like my particular job, I, I was in a in a role that had really no opportunity for advancement. Um, so I, I really did feel feel pigeonholed in my last job. But so, you know, the, the transition out into starting this business was not easy. Uh, I still in the beginning had a lot of doubt and worried that people would judge me again, like, oh, he's a weird meditator type of thing. And, you know, I, I always tell the story how, you know, like a month after I, I started this business, um, my kids went back to school the first day. So my wife and I took my kids to school. And, you know, one of my daughter's friends, fathers was there and he's a big finance guy and great guy. And, you know, hey, how was the summer? Slaps me on the back. What's going on? And so I told him about my new venture. And I just completely muffed it. You know, I, I just couldn't really explain the whole mindfulness and what it is and what it does. You know, I just didn't have my elevator pitched down. And uh, he just was listening to me for about 15, 20 seconds. And, and he gives me a big smile, like slaps me on the back, you know, and he's like, all right, well, uh, you know, good luck. And <laughs> then he just kind of walked away. And I looked at my wife with my, with my you know, mouth open and just was like, wow, I have a lot of work to do. Uh, and that, that was really a, a, a seminal moment for me. And, and that, you know, it wasn't going to be, Hey, just walk out there and the whole world needs mindfulness, which is what I, what I thought it would be. And, um, I just kind of walk into these companies or schools and whatever, and say, I'm a mindfulness teacher. And when you learn mindfulness, you know, you're going to, lower your stress and increase productivity and all these benefits flow, you know, to the personal and corporate bottom line. And I just figured I'd have tons of work and it would be super easy. And 
that wasn't the case. Uh, it was a tough transition. I think the first five months or so was really a lot about me getting my confidence up about talking about what I'm doing now and, and really being comfortable in that role as, Hey, I'm a mindfulness teacher. Um, so that, that was a big transition for me. I always think that entrepreneurship is a soul incubator and, and if, if anything, the, the experience of it itself teaches us the lessons that we need to learn the most. One of the biggest pitfalls for entrepreneurs is their own self-talk. And mindfulness, for me, I've, I have taken a mindfulness class before um, in terms of kind of building out my inner empowerment toolkit. And this notion of non-judgment <laughs> of the thoughts that come through my mind, either about myself or what I'm able to do or my business, that has, has always been a struggle. How has that kind of manifested in your life? And, and how do you kind of keep coming back to that presence that you talked about earlier? Like if your minds, if, if you start doubting yourself, if, if all of these things happen, how do you, how do you get back? That's a great question. And the answer is I meditate. <laughs> so, you know, I have a very diligent practice. Hey, we're human. So that's one thing to really recognize is that there is a lot of, of negative self-talk, but you know, when you practice mindfulness in the way that I do, I'm aware of it. So I don't let it get a hold of me and, and take me down, um, you know, the proverbial rabbit hole for long periods of time. Listen, I have my ups and downs like everybody else, no doubt. But again, this kind of higher level of awareness that I've cultivated through my process, through my practice has, has really helped me deal with a lot of those roller coaster emotions that one has when you are an entrepreneur. Help me understand this. Is it that, so for example, I might meditate in the afternoon or something and I have a designated time. Usually for me, it's on the subway actually, because I have such a long commute. And is the idea that the more you have that meditation time where you are observing your thoughts and maybe observing them non-judgmentally, that when you're outliving life, you know, outside of this meditation, that if a thought comes up, let's say it's, you know, thinking about something my mom said or something, you know, uh, some, someone said that may have triggered a, a reaction, is it that having that conditioning practice for the brain, if I can call it that, then makes it easier for when, when I get upset at my mom or something that, that, that becomes easier. Absolutely. You hit the, the nail on the head. You know, that's what the, the practice is all about. So that when you do have a real life situation where you get triggered, you are, you've cultivated that skill of recognizing that your mind is kind of wandering off maybe to a negative place and you can recognize it and instead of reacting you know you can act uh you can take that pause 
recognize that my, my, my thoughts are going, um, you know, we call it the monkey mind, you, you know, and, uh, you can, you can bring yourself back to the present moment. And, and that's ex exactly the whole idea behind med meditation. So, um, you know, I was talking about athletes before. So, so, Hey, you know, if you're an athlete and you have, uh, say you're a baseball player and you strike out, you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of athletes would continually worry about that for the next inning or two, or, you know, I, I should have swung at this pitch or I can't believe I, I, uh, missed this pitch or whatever it is. Um, with mindfulness, you know, you're going to teach yourself to recognize that, um, worrying about something or, or thinking about that. And, and you'll be able to be in the present moment. Um, whereas if you're not, Hey, maybe you're going to make an error while you're out in the field because you're, you're thinking about something else or, you know, that that's just one example that, you know, it translates obviously to, to, to everything. When, when I first started, um, this kind of personal development journey, everyone always said, Oh, you should meditate. And, and when I did, or I would take classes, really, that's uh, could be an eight-week class, it could be something else. And I found that the more I did, the more in tune I got with with my own inner voice. My inner voice, for me, meaning my heart. And um, I call it the higher self, but like that part of me that that knows what to do, who's confident, who's who's connected on on a larger level and over time I actually started having more and more intuitive experiences um, and to, to the point now like spiritual experiences can happen at a drop of a hat <laughs> and uh, anywhere like on the subway on vacation wherever it is I can always have this profound moment so I never had a vocabulary for what was going on in terms of maybe being more in tune with myself or more in tune with energy. Has that happened for you and or for maybe some of your clients? Can you explain ex what you mean when you say maybe you have an intuitive experience on, on the subway? Yeah, like um, maybe I might I might think of someone and then they might call or um, I guess I call it synchronicity where you have two differing events and they they really are not related in some way but i derive some meaning um so maybe it's some maybe like a song comes up on a radio and i was like oh wow i was just thinking about this person who had passed away so more and more of those things started happening and it may be for me that i I just notice them more because it's the conversation and the field that I'm in now. I'm curious to know whether, um, you know, how that has, um, either manifested or has, has not manifested in your life. Yeah, it, it has for me as well. There, there are times it's funny, I guess as New Yorkers, we're, we're on the subway a lot and, um, you know, mm -hmm. time to think and so forth. But yeah, there are times I'm on the subway and I I will kind of, I don't know how else to explain it other than to say I'll kind of get this hit of energy and or almost maybe, you know, I'll, I'll look at somebody and get this just higher sense of of energy about, you know, I can can almost like sense that they're going through something difficult or and um, I don't really know how to explain it. And. 
it leads me to this other story. So I, I saw Shinzen Young speak uh, one, one evening. He's the New York Times bestselling author of the book called The Science of Enlightenment. He's been meditating for something like, you know, 50 years or something like that. And uh, I had the opportunity to speak to him and I, I talked about this with him. I said, Shinzen, you ever kind of feel this higher sense of energy or when you're walking by somebody and, and he looked at me, you know, his eyes wide open and just said, the first thing he said was, don't be afraid. <laughs> and I, I just chuckled and I was like, hmm, maybe I should be afraid. <laughs> uh, but, um, and he said, yeah, you know, it, it when you meditate and when you have a, a, a strong meditation practice, what's happening is you have this higher level of awareness. So you're, you know, and he described it in this sense for me, that just made, made more sense. And he, he said, you know what, you've, you have this higher sense of awareness and, and it's giving you this ability to kind of um, be in tune with other with other people at a, at a bit of a different level. And that's the way he described it. And I thought it was a really good way of describing it. So it, it made me feel like there wasn't some, you know, kind of crazy thing going on or anything like that. But um, yeah, so I, I do understand what, what you're talking about. And, and that has become heightened since my practice, no doubt. This is a good point to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to share a mini intuitive reading with Jim. So stick around. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Okay. So, Jim, you and I had already done a mini reading before, as I recall. And I'd love to share another one that I did for you just earlier today. So you know how this works. Uh, I receive information on the highest guidance for you at this time. And I will read it verbatim to you. And as you're listening, just allow the images to come up in your mind. And afterwards, I will ask you, how does this resonate, if at all? And what does it bring up for you? So thoughts, stories, memories, ideas, whatever bubbles up for you. And again, just so you know, everything is written in third person. So it refers to you as Jim, he, him. Um, and every so often there may be words that are capitalized, all caps, and I will let you know. And just this, this just means that these particular words are emphasized. 
So for you, I asked, what is the highest guidance for him at this time? And it says, it is about raking the leaves. While it is spring, he feels like he is doing the chores from last season. He's catching up, so to speak, and he wonders whether he will. The authentic part of him knows that it's okay to be tidying up, since everyone knows that there will always be something on the ground, no matter the season. For him, it is about seeing, all caps, that even if he's the only guy out there raking, and no other neighbors are there doing the same, that it's okay. So the action step that I got for you, this is something to play with, reflect, explore, that says to reflect on how he perceives himself and whether he's swimming, quote-unquote, the same stroke as everyone else. As long as he's moving, nothing else matters. So that's the end of a, a short mini-reading, and I'd love to hear how this resonates and what it brings up for you, whatever bubbles up. Well, I think there's some interesting imagery in the, the one sense, you know, the raking the leaves brings me back to when I was a kid and growing up in suburbia. However, you know, the metaphor that immediately popped into my mind, I think you said spring cleaning, uh, but cleaning up things that weren't finished last year. So that really resonated with me. And it goes back to something that we were talking about earlier, how, you know, when I first started this business, I, th there was a good five, six month period of, of, you know, figuring things out. So I feel like, yeah, now I am very much cleaning up um, from when I first started, you know, it, it was very slow out of the gate and uh, took me a while to really find my voice. And I, I think I've found my voice and really can define my purpose when I'm talking to potential um, clients. So yeah, in, in, a, in a very real sense, I, I feel like that's a great metaphor uh, in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning up from, from where I was last year and um, moving forward. And that's kind of what came to mind with uh, the swimming uh, visual also that I'm just, I'm moving forward and, and I feel like I am floating and, and really have caught my groove and I'm starting to catch my groove and uh, just have a lot of really good new ideas uh, about where I'm going to take this business and how I'm going to take it there. So very, very interesting, no, no doubt. And that you don't have to care what the neighbors are doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. You know, I, I think that's a really interesting point also. Again, when I first started, I did still have that, that piece, that bit of a, a worry that people were going to be judging me and, you know, oh, this guy's teaching meditation, what a, what a weirdo, you know, um, 
and you know, ironically, nobody's ever said that to me at all. In fact, you know, I went back to my 25th reunion last summer and I, I did have some trepidation, but 25th, you know, college reunion and there, you know, there's, you know, fairly well-known hedge fund owners and, you know, lawyers and well-known surgeons and all people I, I graduated college with. And I, I, I was, you know, I thought about it. Hey, well, I'm going back and people are going to be talking about this, that, and the other thing. And what are you doing, Jim? And you're a mindfulness meditation teacher. What, what are they going to think of me? But you know what? I think people were much more intrigued with what I do than with what a lot, a lot of the other people with more traditional careers are doing. Um, you know, I found people to be very, very engaging. Oh, tell me more. You know, I've heard a lot about it. I want to know more about it. How did you get into it? I find it so interesting. So, uh, of course, going back to the Mark Twain quote, you know, most of the worst things in your life never actually happened. So all those, all those thoughts and fears, I, I came back from that, that uh, reunion feeling really invigorated and uh, had a lot of potential new clients and people were very interested and, and so forth. So, uh, yeah. It's just been a journey, and I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't care what the neighbors are doing. <laughs> you know, right. to, to use the the metaphor that you had there. Um, right, and that's mindfulness at work. It right. absolutely is, definitely, absolutely, very. I'd say a spot on, spot on reading, no, no doubt. Awesome. So now let's take an opportunity for you to share something with our audience, whether it's a cause that you believe in, some words of wisdom, and also include how they can get in touch with you. So I can't say I have necessarily one specific cause, but you know, I, I will say that I just want to be an advocate for really the greater good of what meditation can do for everyone, especially now. And what I mean by that is you know, in the world today, we're 24-7 wired, and we don't have the opportunity to kind of shut our minds off. You know, everybody's always on their phone, checking their email, checking their texts. Uh, you, you go on vacation, and, you know, you're not really on vacation because you are have to check your email from work. Um, so, you know, I really genuinely believe that if everybody learned – the practice of mindfulness meditation. And it's going to sound really corny, but the world would really be a much better place. I think um, in the corporate world, people would be much more socially responsible if they learned to meditate. Um, kids would be less stressed in schools if they learned to meditate. It, it's just the, the benefits are proven and I'm living proof of what it can do for you. So, you know, I don't have one cause, but I just want to be an, an advocate for just the power of what meditation can do for the world. Uh, and people can get in touch with me, Jim Posner at themindfuladvantage.com. My website is themindfuladvantage.com. Thank you, Jim, so much for, for being here, for sharing your story, for, for illuminating to our audience, what mindfulness is and how it can benefit them. 
in all areas of our lives. Thank you very much for having me, Julie. It was, it was a great experience. I appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you. I appreciate the time that you spend in listening to our podcast. And I appreciate all the things that you do in this world to make it a better place as well. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. Until the next time, keep looking out for all possibilities. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.